and welcome to Logan Sounds Off, where I talk about books, music and a whole lot more. I'm your host, Logan Kelly. And welcome back to Logan Sounds Off. Today I'm talking to the one of seven members of one of the most brilliant Irish rock bands that are on the scene at the moment with traditional influences and everything in there and their new album just out, Irish Rock and Roll. Today I'm interviewing Charles Hendy. Charles, how are you? I'm not too bad at all. All the better for chatting to you. Thank you so much, Charles. So for those who don't know who the Mary Wallopers are, could you tell us a little bit about the Mary Wallopers? So we're uh, Irish rock and roll is named for our last album. And I suppose that describes us perfectly as we sing folk music, like folk ballads, old ones, writing some new ones. And uh, I suppose we're trying to put the rowdiness back into folk music. So we don't want it to be so twee and safe, maybe, you know. So that's who the Mary Wallopers are. I think um, for anyone who heard uh, one of their first EPs, uh, Mouthful of Mary Wallopers, you'll definitely hear that rowdiness. But I know growing up, you listen to many different genres. Just like yep. me, I listen to a lot of different things. Um, but were there any bands at the time that were your kind of go-to that were your main kind of bands growing up? Yeah, so I suppose when when I was younger, definitely the punk thing was huge for me when I was younger. Because uh, mostly because of the DIY attitude in it, you know, so I really loved the Dead Kennedys and bands like I even loved Green Day, but I think Green Day were the first punk band that I listened to. And then I kind of got into more hardcore stuff and the Sex Pistols and all this. But at the same time, I was listening to a lot of Bob Marley and a lot of dance hall and reggae music and a lot of Irish music as well, like the Dubliners and Christy Moore and all that. So and hip hop, of course too so the interesting thing is that it all may sound different but i think the attitudes in the music are very similar so i think that's kind of what got me once the music had attitude and soul then i was into it yeah i completely agree and even you're saying there with attitude the dead kennedys uh, are the epitome of attitude absolutely yeah (laughs) and look when i first started listening to the mary wallopers there was i i sensed a uh, pogues kind of sound there um, and many others who I've spoken to about the Mary Wallopers have agreed that there might be one there so were they an influence and if so um, how do they influence what you make now what music you make now what was interesting about the Pogues is when we were younger listening to them they would have influenced us as much as the Dubliners but I wouldn't have really separated them too much from the folk stuff or the you know I just put up what I went that's Irish music and then this other stuff is punk. But uh, yeah, of course, the Pogues were a huge influence on us, you know. And then uh, the songwriting of Shane McGowan and then the sound as well of the accordion, the drums, you know, Spider on the whistle. Uh, my, I think my favourite thing that the Pogues ever done was Spider hitting his head with a beer tray during the Battle of Brisbane and songs like that instead of playing the whistle. So uh, they influenced us in loads of different ways. And uh, playing with Spider recently, we played with him a few times and it's been unbelievable you know so uh, the Pogues influenced us as much if not more than a lot of other bands because they were 
I always thought punk music was accessible and the Pogues made it that bit more accessible because unlike the Sex Pistols or the Clash or uh, the Ramones or any of those, they were they were Irish. So it was that bit more accessible because they made being Irish cool. Yeah, I think I know, uh, sadly, with the passing of Shane McGowan, uh, it kind of nearly gave me a kind of, I hadn't been listening to a lot of the Pogues a couple of months ago, but now I'd be listening to them a lot more nearly yeah. because uh, more nearly, I'm more aware of them now. And um, it's when I first heard your music, it was just great to hear a new traditional band nearly. You were saying they're making a... <clears throat> music accessible now you're doing that for everyone yeah. which is brilliant and i love that but um a lot of your music are actually like stories um so did you grow up with poetry did you read any poetry when you were um a teenager or a child yeah actually well you know you learn the stuff in school like the shane Massini stuff or or a bit of patrick kavanagh and uh I maybe wasn't paying as much attention to it as I would have or I should have in school. But uh, I liked a lot of different... I had a book called The Mersey Poets, which was all Liverpool poetry, and that was great. And a uh, huge influence is John Cooper Clark, you know, so uh, definitely would have been into that sort of stuff. And then the poetry and music, of course. But in the household, I suppose, uh, our father used to play the accordion and our sister uh, would sing some songs and stuff like that. So... Uh, there was music in the house, but as for poetry, you know, I was out, actually, I think one of the first live performances I did was poetry. I, I said red poems that I wrote about my coats. So very, it was just ripping off John Cooper Clark at that stage. That's interesting, though. And then one of your songs, uh, Cod Liver and the Orange Juice, actually came from a hymn, which I think is very interesting, called Virgin Mary Had a Little Baby. Yeah. So when did you first hear the hymn? So we didn't write Cod Liver Oil and the Orange Juice. That was written by a duo from uh, Glasgow called Ron Hark and Ron Clark and Harry Needool, I think is their names. Uh, but uh, I heard the hymn after hearing Cod Liver Oil and the Orange Juice because of all the songs that you'd go to play or, or go to learn and perform then, it was so odd. Everything about it was odd. The The... the Ref, like the vocal the we bridge bits in between each of the verses were odd and the chords were odd and so looking into it more I found out that it was a hymn and the reason those lads wrote it is because in the 60s everyone wanted to sing this hymn Virgin Mary had a little baby Joan Baez did a version of it and Joni Mitchell and all these other people so I think they were at a, a ballad session in Edinburgh and everyone kept doing their versions of Virgin Mary had a little baby and the two lads got fed up of it and they missed their bus back to uh, Glasgow and they wrote their own version about Harry Mary, which is kind of an immaculate conception story too. That's really, really interesting. And then yeah. what inspired you to cover it yourself with the band and nearly throw your own twist onto it? Well, it was partly because it sounded so odd too. It, it's it's like, I think it's why it's a standout song as well, because it, it sounds musically strange to the rest of the stuff we most of the stuff we do is like three chords like that's it you know and quite like uh uh familiar sounding but this one is is odd and and you know Hamish Imlach who I heard it off does some other really psychedelic sort of folk stuff where it's like uh 
it's not necessarily like serious psychedelic, but it's nearly comedy song. They're nearly novelty, you know. So he does yeah. a song called Gene Harlow Died the Other Day, which is a Lead Belly song originally. And uh, it's very similar to Cod Love Riding the Orange Juice, but it has like samples in it and stuff like that. Really weird music. And I kind of like funnier songs, uh, you know, and that is a kind of a funnier song. So it, it, that's why I chose it. I see. That's really, really cool. And uh, I know, obviously, now at the moment, the Mary Wallopers are massive. Everything's, uh, everybody's talking about them. So I'd like to actually shift back a bit um, to TPM. Which oh, yeah. You meant, yeah. So um, hip hop, you mentioned there, was one of the genres that you were listening to. And as a rap duo, TPM, you and your brother, Andrew, um. Was there any inspiration there to start TPM or in more kind of detail? Were there any Irish rappers who actually inspired you to start TPM? Yeah, totally. Like, I suppose when we when we did start TPM, it was more started out of necessity of wanting to perform than anything else. And because we love hip hop so much, it it is a very accessible way to start performing because all you need is a beat and your words you don't need to really know what you're doing too much you know but and that's how people take it from such base level stuff to absolutely fantastic stuff um i suppose as far as irish hip-hop artists that influenced us captain moonlight from kilkenny is a huge influence uh you know scary era and re-raw all all these yeah. sort of rappers you know like they're all big influences on us and uh hip hop in as 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 a thing you know it was kind of it seems very accessible you know uh, and it is because anyone can rap you know and we if we can rap anyone can rap you know so uh it it felt like it was all right to do it especially to do very irish hip hop you know and i knew there was a song called on the dole queue or dole queue before we did boys on the dole you know but it's just funny that like we're so many years apart but still rapping about pretty much the same stuff you know Do you know you know what actually when you mentioned their scary era uh i know one song by them yeah that's it i found it on a mixtape and that was it and that was dole q oh dole q yeah, yeah. yeah that was it i didn't know anything else from scary era so that's very interesting and mm-hmm. um, but when you were younger, did you envision yourself actually being um, part of the hip-hop scene? Or was TPM something that just came about? Um, I suppose TPM did just come about in a way. Like, we went viral with our first... The first time we ever performed was when Andrew was busking with his other band called Martin's Party on the street in Drogheda. And uh, I joined him for one song. We did Boys on the Dole. And then some young fella recorded it and then we were playing Electric Picnic with one song like two weeks later, which was in a way was kind of hard to keep up with because we didn't have a chance to, you know, organically progress and, and figure out what TPM was supposed to be for us. But um, when we were younger, we definitely, we were always making up songs. You know, we used to rap battle each other when we were kids uh, and kind of put on funny accents and, you know, make fun of each other. And I'm sure we were saying foul things to each other, things that little fellas shouldn't be saying to each other. But uh, I think we were always knew we were going to do music, you know, and TPM just came about 
kind of by accident the same way that the Mary Wallopers did is that we knew we were going to play music but we kind of left it open-ended and we still have it open-ended you know we could end up doing something totally different again I see and then like so obviously you mentioned there it was very spontaneous how TPM started but you actually continued to uh, you continued to release stuff onto your discography so not officially there why did you uh, kind of start making more music with TPM did you realize nearly uh, when all the boys on the door went uh, viral did that was that kind of nearly what put not pushed you but encouraged you to keep going with TPM yeah definitely like it was it was it was definitely encouraging because we were like okay well we need to keep the momentum up you know, and do some more gigs and write some more songs. But really what encouraged us to write more songs was uh, like one of our favourite artists of all time, Jinx Lennon, who's from Dundalk. He asked us to support him uh, as TPM. And because uh, I had spoke to him before about TPM and all that, and I, I told him to look it up and he got back to us and asked us to support him. And we were embarrassed that we only had one song. So we wrote, wrote I think, three more songs the night before the gig where we were supporting them. So that was probably our biggest motivation to write songs. Then after that, it was kind of um, using TPM as a political tool, possibly to try and, you know, uh, influence people or try and open people's minds a bit to other ways of thinking and all that, you know. So it was kind of a necessity for us, which it still is. I know. And if actually, if nobody here who's listening in, or watching this, um, you should definitely check out TPM because it's it's a very actually interesting take on hip hop music, and I just it's something that I heard from before this interview. I heard about TPM, and I never fully understood until um I started to have a listen. So I'd advise to fully understand what we're talking about. Have a listen, but um, just going back a bit to all the boys on the door. When that actually was where you're saying there, some uh, person just recorded it and put it up and it went viral. What was that like watching your track blow up just it from was, a simple moment? It was weird more than anything because we hadn't, we ha we actually hadn't even a name for the group. You know, we were just like, oh, we just wrote this song and performed. We didn't have a name for what we were going to do. And then we had this fella who was commenting under all these uh, posts of us saying that he was our manager and he was going to look after it and all and we never we didn't know who he was you know until he rang us and then he was saying he wanted to be our manager and all this and we were like no we don't need a manager we're not like <laughs> so it was it was a work you know we did an interview with the sun and all this sort of stuff and we kind of took it all with a grain of salt too because it was funny you know more than anything we didn't let it go to our heads and i don't think we would Wow, that that's actually it's 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 a cool way to get onto the scene, actually. But yeah. like go, going from TPM to the Mary Wallopers, I mean, two completely different acts, like a huge difference. So you mentioned there that it was uh that the Mary Wallopers, just like TPM, started off um nearly by accident. So could you explain how um the Mary Wallopers actually started? So while we were going around doing TPM gigs, me and Andrew, we moved in with our friend Sean McKenna, who's in the Mary Wallopers as well. And while we were doing all these gigs with TPM, we 
wanted to sing ballads because we really liked singing ballads. And uh, we knew Sean did as well. And we were really had no money at the time. We were living in Dundalk. And so we divide, we had a common plan where we'd go into uh, pubs in Dundalk, me, Andrew and Sean with one guitar and asked them if they'd give us free drink if we sang, if we did, did a session for them. And nine times out of 10, the pubs would say yes. And we were doing that once, at least once a week. Like we're doing it constantly in all different pubs. And we do it, you know, sometimes we go to Galway or down to Leitrim or somewhere like that, you know. And eventually uh, people started paying us for it. The first time we got paid for it, I think, was in a pub called McManus's in Dundalk, where the cores also started. And uh, McManus's paid us, I think, €250 Euro to play uh, St. Patrick's Day. And I think that was 2019 or maybe 2018, actually, or earlier. But uh, yeah, it, it started that simple. You know, people just started paying us. It, it, it's cool, it's sir. Like, so when the Mary Wallopers started to become very official and uh, it, there started to become a lot more ideas surrounding it, um, what did you, what, did you have any kind of, did you envision anything for the band? Did you see anything that you wanted to happen? Um, I think the the only goal really is to, there's two goals. One is that we would make a living off it of music of any kind. It wouldn't have to be the Mary Wallopers. It could be anything. Performance mainly is once we could make some sort of a living off it, we'd be fine. And number two is to make the music, particularly with the Mary Wallopers, to make the music accessible and to encourage other people to pick up instruments, whether that be paint brushes or whatever. You know, it's it's to really tell people that they can, that anybody is capable of what we're doing. And uh, no matter the age, race, creed, gender, you know, anything, uh, uh, anybody can do it. And that's really the main, main core of the Mary Wallopers. That's a lovely way to have a band that nearly your core is that any it's accessible to everyone. And um, you definitely had everything accessible to everyone during lockdown with your live shows, which were streamed online on YouTube. So what was it like forming live shows on the internet? Because obviously there's a massive difference. Yeah, I suppose the most fun thing about that was that we, no, talking about accessibility is we made sure it was free for everyone to watch uh, because you, then nobody who doesn't have money can't watch it. Everyone's able to watch it. Everyone gets the same experience. Uh, whether you pay for it or not. And then we just open donations. If somebody did want to pay, they could donate, whatever, you know. Um, But my favourite thing about it was being able to involve other people in the band and making a kind of a talk show sort of a thing, like a talk show with ballads, being able to get our friends to work on it in the corner. Like later on, we ended up having just people sit in the corner and, and we'd have cameras on them. And the other thing that was amazing was the live chat that we could actually interact with the audience. And if we tried to do that live at a concert, it'd be mayhem because you wouldn't be able to, you know, uh, uh, have a feed. But the live chat feed was so entertaining, you know, reading out people's shout outs or questions or they could just actually interact with us. And the crack of that was so good. You know, it was really good. Another thing was having been able to theme the live stream. So it was like Christmas or Halloween or 
you know, that was so much fun because it added a whole element of entertainment to it. So it was great fun. And we might do another one at some stage. Like we were we were planning on doing one last Christmas, but we'll see. We were a bit too busy. In fairness, so they're brilliant. And yeah, I think that's really lovely that you have um all the same experience for everyone. And even the live chat is very helpful for things like that. But as yeah. well, speaking about things being live, um, I heard in an interview that uh, you prefer performing live than actually recording in the studio. Oh yeah. What is what is your favorite thing about uh playing live? Um, I think there's something because uh, sometimes you get nervous before you go on stage and, and it's interesting because some of the band will get nervous before certain gigs and other like other members will get nervous before other things you know so like for example when we were doing Jules Holland I wasn't nervous at all but some of the other band members were nervous and then when we were doing the Barrowlands in Glasgow I was incredibly nervous but some of the other band weren't you know but that energy that you get from performing live is like I I can't really describe it, but the adrenaline and the feeling of, you know, when you're singing a song and there's two or three thousand people singing it back and everyone is having a great time or, or at least I hope everyone is having a great time. It, it's it's magic. You know, it's it's kind of like the feeling of being able to make people forget their troubles for a few minutes is brilliant, you know. Wow, that's a lovely way to explain uh, playing live. And now, uh, for my last two questions, the first thing that I want to ask you is, you have gone on to two very interesting scenes and you've revolutionised them in your own way with the hip-hop scene as well as the folk scene, which could also go under the name of rock, punk, anything. What tips would you give to young musicians and young artists who want to get out there and make their music? Uh, the first thing I would say is don't criticise yourself too much because that can just stop you from doing anything. And number two is just do it. Uh, there's no substitute for just starting. I think sometimes you see people and they let things get in the way if they don't have the right equipment or they don't have a really professional, you know, uh, setup or something. They might not have the best of gear for doing what they want to do. But within that lies your strengths, you know, like uh, your limitations will make your, you know, your your sound sound like you and all. But mainly do it and be honest about it. You know, don't don't do it for any other reason than uh, some honest reason. You know, because if you if you try and pretend, I don't think it'll work, not work as well. But mainly just do it and enjoy it. That's it. Do it. That is a really like it. There's no wonder how you, why you're doing so well on the scene, uh, Charles. So for my last question, we were mentioned there you are into so many genres. You mentioned there about reggae, uh, hip hop, punk, uh, ballads, everything. So you have a very diverse kind of range, nearly. Um, are you listening to anything at the moment or have you listened to anything old or new that you'd like to recommend before we finish up? Uh, I, I've been listening to the, the last genre that I did a deep, deep dive on was uh, Calypso music from uh, the Caribbean. And it's stuff from, I think, like the 30s. There's a fella called Wilmot Houdini 
You know, they all have like the best names, like Wilmot Houdini and Lord Invader, the Mighty Terror. Uh, all this Calypso music is brilliant. And uh, I think some of it is sampled, you know, it's 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 really, it's great music. You know, some of them have beefs with each other and write, like they've written songs about the other singers and you can listen to all these songs. So Calypso music is great. That's what I've been listening to. Well, that is brilliant. I will definitely check out Calypso music myself. Uh, Charles, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Uh, as like one of my favourite musicians out there at the moment, it's been incredible to talk to you. So thank you so much for joining me on my podcast. Thank you for having me and best of luck with the rest of it. You're doing a great job for the age of you. You know what I mean? Like you're, I wish you the best with all the interviews you can get. Thank you so much, Charles. I hope you have a lovely day. Same to you. Bye. Thanks for having me. Good luck. Bye. you enjoyed listening to this episode of Logan Sounds Off. You can follow me on X, Facebook and Instagram at Logan Sounds Off. And don't forget to subscribe and not miss any more cool episodes. Bye guys!